we do have a good, good father. We are so loved by him. So let's just pray as we get started together. God, we thank you so much for your great love for us. As we have just sung, we are loved by you. And we are loved by you because you are so good. You are our good, good father. We thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Thank you for the opportunity to come together today. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you together, to praise you together, and to hear from you too. Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand today more of how much you love us. Draw us nearer to yourself. Help us to have an understanding of what matters to you and how we are able to be part and how we are part of your amazing plans. Lord, I ask that you would fill each one of us afresh with your Holy Spirit, that we could recognize where you are leading us, how you are leading us to be the people that you are calling us and that you created us to be, that we could be where you are. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. And I ask that you would guide my mind and my thoughts and my words now, that none of these words would be my own, but that you would flow freely this morning, touching each of our hearts, mine too, knowing that you are God and you are good. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm excited to share with you and start with you today this new sermon series called Family Matters. Now, there are kind of a few thoughts that I have when I think about the phrase Family Matters, and I can't take full credit for this series title. I was talking to Pastor Ron about this series, the direction where I'm going with this series while he's away, and I said, I don't quite know what to call it, and he said, easy, call it Family Matters. And I was like, ah, cool, thank you. So, Family matters. The thing about family matters is there's a few things I think of, one being the matters of the family, the things that happen in the family or events regarding family, and the other is that families matter. You matter, your family matters, this church family matters, the family of God matters. And so there are things that matter to families and that are important to your families or have been important to your family in the past because each family has different things that matter or are important to them. So it kind of got me thinking, what are things that are important to you? What are things that have been important to your family? What are things that make your family or even this church family unique? What matter to us? And when I was thinking about the things that matter in a family, I started to think of like the stereotypical kind of families and thinking of the sports families or like the soccer mum families with the big van and they're always at the soccer fields and that's where you'll find them. Or the music families who have music all throughout the house, musicians, they are playing music, they're in all of the bands or thinking of... um, even the the dance families, just the different stereotypical kind of families that you think of or that I thought of when I was thinking of what matters to families. And some of those things might matter to your family. They might not. That's okay. 
The good news is we aren't specifically talking about those kinds of things that matter to families. We are talking about the things that matter to God when it comes to family, the family of God. See, family was created by God and it was created for God. He created the family, the family of God. And so over this year, God's been really showing me and speaking to me about family, the way that my husband and I raise our children as a family, but also how we relate to each other as children of God in the family of God and how precious that is. Each one of us have an important part to play in God's family, just as we do in our own families. Because the family is about generations of people together, doing things together, doing things that matter to God, growing together and worshipping and glorifying Him from generation to generation. But the thing is, it's pretty clear that there are many people who don't know the Lord. There are many people in different generations who have missed that part of things that matter when it comes to family. And if we aren't diligent and intentional, we could be in the same situation that is written about in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. And it says, after that generation died, another generation grew up that did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. And so, family matters. What are things that matter to God about the family and how do we live them out? What we can recognise in Judges 2 is that it can happen, that faith can be strong in generations, but it's not always passed down to the future generations. Because as we just read, there was a generation that did not know about the Lord. They did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the things that he had done. And I know that there are generations that have experienced that today. I'm not saying that faith isn't being passed down and that people aren't trying to pass their faith down. And I'm also not saying that if your children have walked away from the Lord in their own journey, that that's on you. That's not on you. Everybody has their own choice to make when it comes to following the Lord Jesus Christ. But what I am saying is that if faith isn't truly passed down, if we're not intentionally passing that faith on, then why would it matter to the next generation? Our faith matters to God. And our faith matters to the next generation because whether we realise it or not, our faith and our relationship with God and our relationship with each other impacts the next generations, the future to come. And it impacts not just the church family here, but the world. So how do we make sure that this faith is being passed on in our families, but also in the families in the churches to the other people all around us in this family of God? How do we make sure that everyone has the opportunity to have faith that can be passed on? Everybody has the opportunity to make the choice to follow Jesus. How do we do that? 
I'm guessing you might want to know. The thought that, that God revealed to me was family discipleship. Discipleship. Crazy. Discipleship. Thought we might be a bit more excited about that, but discipleship. It's, it's this sort of discipling those around us, teaching those around us the things of God, the things that matter to God, living that out and passing that on in the way that we live. Family discipleship is kind of only recently become like a priority in my head because I, I didn't quite understand what it was or how intentional it could and should be. I kind of just thought that our kids would catch on to the things that we do and that if we read a family devotion every now and then, then they, they start to understand. While part of that is true, there is so much more to it than just doing certain things. It's also about who we are and how we live. So as we look at family discipleship and the things that matter in family, we're going to be looking at that over the next four weeks on the things that matter to God about his family. But I thought we would start off by looking at discipleship and what discipleship is so that we can look at that in the context of family discipleship. So the first thing is discipleship matters to Jesus. Discipleship matters to Jesus. We see this in the way that he was with his followers. We see him teaching people, raising up people, sending out the 72, having his 12 close by, doing life with them, and then also having the three who are close to him as well. I'm not going to get into all of that this morning, but Jesus' discipleship matters to Jesus. And he lived life and cared for those around him. So much so that he also gave us the command in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, that you may already know, but it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gave that command to his disciples to go and make disciples. And then those disciples, they made disciples and those disciples made disciples and it continued on and on until we are here today. Many here today as disciples of Jesus. And what that just means is we are people who are following Jesus, wanting to learn more about him, learn how to be like him, to tell others about him. See, we aren't given our salvation to keep it to ourselves. We're to go and share that with others. And so in order to become a disciple of Jesus, if you have given your heart to Jesus and you would say that you're a follower of Christ or a disciple, there are some things that would have taken place in our hearts, in our lives to get us to that point. So I kind of want to backtrack to that moment. If, if you've accepted the Lord, you'll probably remember what this is like. And so people who have accepted Jesus, we've come to the recognition that we are sinful people. 
We've come to the understanding that we need Jesus so much. We recognize our complete need of him. And if we don't recognize our need of Jesus in our everyday life and for our life in the future, we may have missed the point. See, as people, the Bible tells us that we have messed up. The Bible tells us that all have sinned. All of us have missed the mark. All of us fall short of the glory of God. And there's nothing that we can do about it. The Bible tells us that our sin is what separates us from God. And it's our sin that keeps us from relationship with Jesus. It keeps us out of heaven because God is holy and he cannot have anything to do with our sin. So that means that one day when we die, we're on our own because of our sin. It means that without Jesus, we go to hell. We go to eternity without him. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus Christ our Lord. See, our sin separates us from God so much that the cost, the penalty for our sin is death. It's the same in our justice system. If you make a mistake... If I drive 100 kilometers in a 60 zone, there's a penalty for that. I should get in trouble for that. And that's similar when it comes to our sin. We have sinned. There is a penalty for that. We can't pay that price. But that's why Jesus came. John 3.16 says that God loved the world so much. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus, so that we would not perish, but we'd have eternal life gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. His death paid my penalty for my sin. His death paid the cost, the price for your sin, which means if we've accepted that, if we've come to understand that, we are free. We are no longer held captive by our sin. We are no longer held back. If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful He is just. He forgives us of our sins. He cleanses us. He washes us clean. He makes us righteous. Romans 10, 9 to 13 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the amazing gift of grace that we have. And when we believe this, when we understand that we are sinners and we need Jesus, and we come before him and believe that and accept him, we are born again. We come into his family. We become part of the family of God. The family of God matters to him. And so he allows us to be called his children. 
This is something we should be celebrating every day, remembering every day and thankful for every day that we get to be with him now. It means that now on earth, we have a whole new life. We have hope. We have joy no longer weighed down by sin and worldly burdens. We are free. And when we recognize these things, we become his disciple because we want to learn. We want to grow. And this is where when you come to know Jesus for the first time, it's important to make sure that you have someone who can teach you about God's Word, teach you how to pray. Someone who is helping you to understand the basic things about God's Word. And so if you've given your life to Jesus before, but you haven't had somebody teach you those things, I would encourage you to find somebody who can do that. Come and talk to me and I'd love to talk you through some of those things or get you in contact with somebody who's able to teach you those things because it's such a precious thing getting to know the Lord because discipling someone is teaching somebody how to know the Lord more and more. And so as we grow in that understanding, as we grow reading the Bible, spending time with Him, knowing about Him more and more, we understand and recognize that we have this duty to pass that on to others and share that with others and go and make disciples just as we read in Matthew 28. So how do we do that? I want to be vulnerable for a minute. I've struggled with this bit of discipleship before. I've, I've been, there have been times where I've like, okay, I know I'm meant to do this, but how, how do I do that? How do I teach someone about Jesus? And sometimes I've second-guessed myself and I thought, well, if I've felt this way and it's probably my brain just overthinking stuff as it tends to do that, but if I felt this way, I'm sure that there's other people who have felt this way before too. Like how am I meant to disciple someone if Jesus says go and make disciples? How do I do that? And maybe you're just not quite sure what it looks like or fearful that you're going to get it wrong. And then if you accidentally teach someone or disciple someone wrong, then you've completely stuffed up and it takes intention, it takes time. And so maybe it's just easier to not do it. But then if we don't do it, then we're not being obedient to the command that Jesus has given us. And so we can kind of end up in this cycle kind of thing. But the thing is, if Jesus is Lord in our hearts, if he's made a change in your life, then that change is going to overflow into every single thing that we do, which naturally will then lead to us starting to disciple people just in the ways that we live. And so I ask, if you have accepted Jesus as Lord, how has he made that difference in your life? What differences can you see in your life being with Jesus. There are a few parts to, to discipleship, coming back to the thought of discipleship. And one is the part of the do disciple. The other is the discipler. But then there's also the Holy Spirit, who's the one who is always doing the work. See, a disciple is someone who's learning all about the things of God and the Word of God. Somebody who comes who wants to know about God and then they become, come to faith in Christ and they grow in that faith and then they're baptised 
The old them is gone. The new them is born in Christ. They're wanting to use their gifts, starting to understand how God's made them and then using that to build up the body of Christ, the family of God. And then they go on to be the discipler. And the discipler is somebody who's walking alongside a person or a group of people. And in essence, they're doing life together. They're checking in with each other, checking in on each other's faith, asking, how's your Bible reading been going? How's your prayer life been going? Have you been tithing this week or this month? Is there anything that you're really struggling with? How can I pray with you? How can I support you through this? It's somebody who's walking with this group or person, teaching them to understand what the Word of God says and showing them and living that out themselves providing opportunities for this group to serve, to grow, to learn to pray and to use their gifts. And then eventually, again, releasing that person to go on and then do the same thing with others. And then the other is the Holy Spirit. We are never alone. Jesus told us that he is with us when he said, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. He has sent us His Holy Spirit. He is at work in our lives, prompting us, guiding us, showing us what to do, how to seek Him as we ask for His guidance. But what can happen instead of making disciples, we can sometimes become a disciple and we start to learn to follow Jesus and then it kind of stops there. We read our Bibles And it's okay to pray, but I don't feel qualified to do the next thing. It can seem intimidating, but this is part of our growth. This is part of us growing in our faith and growing in what matters to God for the family of God. And it made me think of Hebrews 5, verse 12, going into chapter 6, verse 3. And it says, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others, but instead you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and who cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. But solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become more mature in our own understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further our understanding. See, discipleship is growing in your faith, growing from a baby in the faith to an adult in the faith, growing from somebody who's on spiritual milk to solid food growing from learning about God to proclaiming the truth and teaching others. So point two, our growth matters to Jesus. Us growing in Him matters 
Again, he didn't save us just so that we could go to heaven. He saved us to be part of the family of God and to share the kingdom of God with other people so that one day when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord, we're able to proclaim that with joy in our hearts. But there are going to be many around us who don't have joy in their hearts because they did not know the Lord until that moment. And so we need to make sure that we are doing our best to share that faith, that joy, the love of Jesus with those around us, those in our families, so that they can have that joy too. I love hearing people's journeys and stories. And many of you have worked so hard over your lifetimes, sharing your faith, building the kingdom of God. You've seen people come to know the Lord. And I want to encourage you to keep on going and sharing those stories and sharing your journey with other people, because that is something that is so encouraging. So Hebrews 6, 9 to 12 says, Dear friends, Even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you have shown your love for Him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked. He will not forget the love and the care that you have shown for others. Keep on doing that. The way you love others shows your faith in Christ. The sacrifices that you've made to share the gospel show your growth and your faith in Him. And the conversations, the prayers, the encouragements that you have given others, they point others to Jesus. It all matters. It all matters to Him. So thinking all of this, where does family discipleship fit in to this? And basically it's, it's all we've just talked about, but in the context of where you are. If you don't have a family around you, that does not disqualify you from what we are talking about because we are the family of God. And so as the family of God, we need to be teaching those around us. We need to be growing together, making sure that we're not just living on spiritual milk, making sure that we are growing and having the more real food, teaching that to the next generations, teaching that to the next generation of children, but also the next generation in the faith and having the heart for those people, teaching those precious little children in our care and in our lives. And that's the next point, children matter to Jesus. Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. 
We need to be telling the children, this next generation, telling them now while they are growing, while they are learning, while their minds are still forming understandings of life. Something that's really interesting and really important is that people often, if if they are being brought up in the ways of Jesus, they often make a decision to follow him before or by the time they're 14 years of age. So kids in childhood up to the age 14 are still forming their worldviews and an understanding of how the world works. And basically when you get to 14, that's kind of already made up. Not that Jesus can't come and change things because he can, but by the time you're 14, your worldview's kind of set in how you were brought up from the things around you. And so how are we bringing these little children to know the Lord? Because if we don't show and teach these children his ways and his truth, then the world is gonna give them a worldview of the world. But the things that matter to God He wants our kids to understand those things. We cannot leave it up to society. We cannot even necessarily leave it up to the church in a sense to teach our children, but we, the church, need to be teaching them and pointing them to Jesus. The Bible tells us how to teach the children. And just as the nation of Israel, God's people were called to teach the children, we, the church, are called to teach them too. And so Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9 says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, When you're getting up, tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. These are clear instructions on how we can teach those around us and teach the children. It starts with loving the Lord. Love the Lord, commit yourself to Him, obey Him, and then teach your children. Repeat his commands, talk about them, have them up all over the place in your home, have them in the spaces that we are part of. And when it comes to church, it starts with us loving the Lord, understanding his commands, and then sharing that with those around us, the family of God. And so I I ask, how are we going with teaching the children around us? How are we going with discipling the young lives that are around us? Are we having intentional spiritual conversations with those around us? Because if we do care about the things that matter to God, then we're going to be doing, thing, doing those things that matter to Him. And so I... I share this message as something that God has been putting on my heart, that God has been revealing to me in the ways of bringing up the next generation and the ways of sharing things with the family of God. And as a mom and a parent, I understand that things are only going to get more complex with my children as they get older. 
And I've started to recognise that now my kids are talking and they're making, having complete formed sentences and, and really good arguments. I've started to realise how important family discipleship is because the things that they share reflect on what's been going on in our home and around them. And that's the same in the family of God too. The things that we are sharing with each other will impact those around us. So family matters to God. This family matters to God. The church, God's children matter to him so much more than we realise. And the next generation matters to him. And if it matters to us, we're going to continue to teach them. And so I want to encourage you over these next four weeks as we kind of get more into the different things that matter to God. Pray. Pray for those around you. Pray for those that you are wanting to share your faith with. Maybe that's a sister. Maybe that's a brother or a son or an auntie, uncle, children, could be a co-worker, could be a neighbour. Pray for those people. Pray for opportunities and how you can share your faith. Remember in Hebrews, it talked about loving others how you've shown your love by caring for other people, asking God for opportunities to love others, to shine his light. And then praying for these children. Pray for the children of this generation because if they don't come to know the Lord, then the next generations aren't going to know him. They're not going to acknowledge the things of God. Pray for these children that they would grow up to be people of strong faith who love Jesus. And so Psalm 78 verses one to seven says, "'Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. "'Open your ears to what I'm saying, "'for I will speak to you in a parable. "'I will teach you hidden lessons from our pasts, "'stories we have heard and known, "'stories our ancestors handed down to us, We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob. He gave His instruction to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope in you on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Telling the children things that have been passed down to you, telling the children the amazing things that you've seen God do in your lives, sharing with each other the amazing things that God has done in your life so that those things can be passed on to other people, so that the next generation, even those not yet born, will come to know the Lord. Family matters to God. Telling the next generation matters to God. Do those things matter to us as well? So today, perhaps you recognise that, that you've come to know Jesus, but you haven't come to know the things of God or understanding the things that matter to him, that you haven't been discipled. 
come and talk to somebody, come and talk to me because I'd love to be able to connect you with someone or even me, myself, be able to teach you how to read the Bible, how to pray, is those are such precious gifts that God has given us. Perhaps you know that you really need to be discipling somebody, you want to be discipling somebody. Again, pray, pray for those people. Perhaps it is someone in your family, perhaps it's someone that's in your life. We're gonna be talking about that a bit more over the next next few weeks. Perhaps you are a parent with, with kids at home. Our job right now is so important. Start praying for your children, praying with your children. Reread Deuteronomy 6 this week and think of the different things that are in that to be able to apply to your family. Perhaps you've come to know Jesus before but you need to recognise again or you recognise again just how much you need him as we talked about already this morning. Just come back to Jesus. Remember the amazing gift of grace that he's given you and allow him to make those differences in your life. But wherever you're at this morning, I pray that you'll be able to make a next step, learning more about Jesus, being discipled, sharing with others, being part of his calling. And all that starts with, if your next step today could be just asking God to give you that passion, give you a passion to share your faith with others, giving you a passion to know his word, giving you a desire to pray and pray with others. May we be a family that, ma- that cares about the things that matter to God and pass that on to the next generation. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you love us so much that you gave us Jesus, that you knew that we could not do this life without you, that you knew we could not do eternity without you. And so you made a way for us to be with you. Father, help us to never forget how amazing the cross is, but that you rose again, that you conquered death, that we do not need to be afraid because you have saved us. Father, help us to understand afresh the amazing grace that you have poured out over us, the amazing love that you have lavished on us, that we could be called children of God. May we not take that for granted. And Father, forgive us for the times when we have taken it for granted, where we have not put our trust in you, the place that it needs to be. Help us, Lord, to be people who are so passionate about you, who are so passionate about prayer, to be people who love you, who people who trust you, who share and live out our faith so much that those around us start to catch on to the things of you just by us living, just by us trusting in you. Lord, we pray for the children. Thank you for this next generation. And Lord, we pray that these kids would be people who love you, who really love you, not, with, not just with their lips, but with their whole heart, with their whole mind, with their whole everything, that these children would rise up and be the people who teach us, who teach their peers, who teach, teach the next generation 
about the things of you. Father, give us the wisdom, give us the discernment to know the words to say, to know how to say things, to have an understanding of how to explain your truth to others and to be able to shine as lights in this dark world. Thank you that you promise us that you never leave us and may we be able to have the understanding and go with you and grow with you more. And as we go into this week, Lord, I ask that you would open up our minds to understand your word, that your word would come to life and that we would just love reading it. Give us that passion. Give us that desire, Lord. And thank you for your faithfulness, Lord Jesus. And thank you for being here with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.